following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hitting, yet completely trivial football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broken Helmet. Let's rock. Coming to you live on tape, Rich Eggy, the Broken Helmet, on this Thursday, August 26th, where the NFL is moving. We are moving, folks. Maybe not as fast as those people, but we are moving nonetheless. Things are picking up steam. You're starting to get more and more news. Starters getting quarterback starters, that is, getting announced by their coaches, trades taking place, everything's moving along, news as well, even outside, crazy shit going on, outbreaks of salmonella, all over the place, two outbreaks spanning across 17 states, 36 people getting sick, 12 hospitalizations, don't eat the salami, Put down the prosciutto, motherfucker. I know you're a Sopranos fan. You want to stuff your face with all those Italian meats, but put them down. Italian meats are getting people sick. Don't do it. Grab some carrots. Something healthy. Ron Jeremy. Oh, man. The great Ron Jeremy. He's been indicted. 30 counts of sexual assault. involving 21 women over two decades. Whoa. Hello. Uh, I mean, what'd you expect, right? I mean, it's the porn industry. And last but not least, outside the topic of football, is an individual by the name of Spencer Eldon. Not many people knew who Spencer Eldon was before. Maybe you did if you were a diehard music fan. But now everybody's going to know who Spencer Eldon is because... He is suing Nirvana. Now you ask, why is some individual, 30-year-old by the way, named Spencer Eldon, suing Nirvana? Well, Spencer turns out to be the naked baby on the Nirvana Nevermind album. If you remember the cover, it's the naked baby floating for the $1 bill on the hook. Well, that's Spencer Eldon. And he is suing Nirvana If you can believe this, not making it up, he claimed the record's iconic artwork is child pornography. (laughs) Yes. Suing over child sexual exploitation. Like I said, everybody, everything, everything is moving very quickly. Very quickly. And we're going to move just as quick into all of the news, and we will start off talking about the injuries because that's what it is here in the preseason, as we have heard a lot recently. But Cowboys, let's start with their quarterback, Dak Prescott. We've all been sitting patiently waiting for Mr. Prescott to rejoin the team 
And, well, I mean, he's been with the team, but you know what I mean. Rejoin the team on the field and start participating again in practice. Well, it appears that he's going to be ready for week one, or so we think. And he did take part in practice yesterday, Wednesday. He threw a whole lot of 12 passes. 12! 12 passes. He went 11 for 12 out of those passes. So... Go figure that we would be jumping for joy if you, I mean, are a Cowboy fan. I guess an NFL fan in general because it's better when your quarterbacks play. And obviously the Cowboys with Dak is better without them. So we all jump for joy. Um, As a Giant fan, I might not be jumping all that much. But uh, he threw 11 passes, or he threw 12 passes, went 11 for 12. Fantastic. I think his longest one, as I read, was 30 yards to Blake Jarwin. I, you gotta kind of chuckle a little bit, right? I I mean, how emphatic, well, emphatic, not the right word, Rich. How happy can one be when your starting quarterback throws all of twelve passes in a practice? That's not something to be happy about. He's a starting quarterback. You've got two weeks here before the season opener. You gotta start throwing more than twelve. You can't throw twelve passes and, and be super happy about it. Who the hell is gonna be happy that their quarterback coming back to full health got all of twelve passes in practice today? Ah, oh, please, please. But anyway, that's what the deal is. So Prescott, we will wait and see. It sounds like he'll try to play practice more. He's definitely not going to play, so we will not see him till week one. I think Zeke. Uh, was quoted as giving him a vote of confidence. Hooray, the running back thinks the quarterback is good. Doesn't really matter. The guy's got to play. He's got to practice. If you're not practicing, it's because the shoulder isn't good. That's it. And throwing 12 passes is a... 12 passes? I just said passes. Throwing 12 passes is a blatant display of uneasiness with the arm, the injury, and I don't think that any Cowboy fan was excited to hear the news as much as they tried to bill it as a great thing today. Outside of Dallas, there is other quarterback news. This time coming from Indianapolis, where Carson Wentz, who has joined the Colts from Philadelphia this year, was going to try to lead them to the promised land and extend their playoff run farther than the aging Phillip Rivers did. Well, as we all know, Wentz, along with Nelson, broke their foot, same injury, same surgery, the whole nine yards, were given a timetable of return of 5 to 12 weeks. Not really an exact science. I guess the Indianapolis doctors rival the uh, weathermen on your local news station as they can't really be accurate at all. You say somebody's going to be done, ah, you know, 5 to 12 weeks, uh, 1 to 3 months. I don't know, you'll be healthy somewhere in between there. Uh, the hurricane's going to hit uh, New Jersey up to Maine. Somewhere around there. Same deal. So anyway, he returns to practice. He's got three practices under his belt now, as does Nelson. And he feels good. And the feet haven't broke, which is obviously a good sign. So through three days and three practices, the repaired, surgically repaired foot has not broken. And Wentz feels good about that. 
Not feeling good is the Jaguars, as their rate running back, Travius Atheon, is out for the year. This was all over the news uh, the past two days. He has a Liz Frank injury to his foot. Liz Frank, anytime you hear it, uh, it is a horrific word to hear, right? So you hear Liz Frank run for the hills because it usually means bad, long, enduring injuries. Most likely a year, especially like a broken Liz Frank. That could be, you know, they used to dangle that as a career-threatening injury, the, the broken Liz Frank. But anyway, he has a Liz Frank injury. He's going to undergo surgery, and he is done for the year. Also from the Jaguars roster, Marvin Jones, a wide receiver coming over from Detroit. He has an AC joint sprain, so he will be out for a little bit of time. Didn't say how much. So... Another big injury was the Rams running back, Daryl Henderson. This obviously same time frame as Travis Atheon. It was about a day ago, two days ago. He bangs up his thumb. He ends up going day-to-day with the thumb injury. Well, today, they turn around and trade for the Patriots running back, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, who, it, number one, is in a contract year, right? They trade for a contract year running back, and they give away two drafts draft picks, which end up being a sixth round pick in 2022 and a fourth round pick in 2023, right? So Rams have no value for the draft at all. They don't. They've thrown away all of their picks for whoever it may be. And whether players like Jalen Ramsey end up bearing fruit, I don't know. But, God, you need to draft at some point. You can't just hand all of your draft picks over to everybody else. Eventually, the chickens come home to roost. That is what they say, right? Chickens come home to roost? Anyway. Um, and without the capital of, of draft picks, what are you going to do to replenish your team? Just constantly pay free agents, which end up being a bad approach because it taxes your salary cap and you usually overpay for anybody on the free agent market. Doesn't matter for them. They gave up a sixth and a fourth. The sixth, who really cares? The fourth, that's a decent pick. Now, Sony Michelle could be a standout running back, but if you think about Michelle going forward, once Cam Akers comes back and let's say Daryl Henderson, who looked good previously for the Rams until Akers took his place. I mean, are they going to really turn around and then possibly sign him? Because he's a contract year player. So that's what you're going to have to do. So you gave up two draft picks to get somebody for now. Because obviously that is the focus of a trade such as this. Is that they need a running back and they need one now. I need my money and I need it now. J.G. Wentworth, one eight seven cash now, something like that. Anyway, so Sony Michelle will be flying from New England all the way over to the opposite coast to be playing in Los Angeles. And when he arrives, that'll be a crushing blow to all those Xavier Jones and Jake Funk draftors because. Everybody was all over Xavier Jones and Jake Funk trying to figure out who was going to get the backup plays for Daryl Henderson or who was going to replace him when his thumb got injured, and now it's all the Sony Michelle owners. That's what happened there. 
Uh, speaking of running backs, Dan Campbell, Lions head coach, comes out says he's unsure if DeAndre Swift is going to be available. Now he's got a groin injury. So now I don't know, but it made me think. I wonder if DeAndre Swift is banged up, would some an an injury such as that to a player that was supposed to be a focal point there, and they also have Jamal Williams, but I, Jamal Williams is not going to replace DeAndre Swift. Now, the groin ends up being something more long-term. I was I wonder if the Rams jumped on Michelle now, which probably was in the works for it to happen so quickly, because it wasn't like Henderson banged up his thumb, and then all of a sudden the Rams just picked up the phone and were like, hey, Sony Michelle, we need him. Um, but I wonder if there was any immediacy to that move based on certain other injuries or talks that were coming down the road. So if, if the Rams that were, that is, were looking at other teams saying, you know what, Michelle's in the block, we all know it, and if we don't hop on it now, then we might get screwed. So let's get this deal done. Regardless of what the motivational factor is, Michelle out to the Rams, Dan Campbell in Detroit, now unsure if DeAndre Swift is going to be available for week one with his groin injury. Uh, Jets left tackle, big part of this offensive line, McKee Becton, their, their big draft pick from last year, he got a head injury yesterday and some serious shit because he took the shot in in practice and then was blowing chunks and throwing up on the sideline. So, throwing up on the sideline and ends up getting taken out of practice and is now in the concussion protocol. So, now maybe he comes back in a little bit, but I would think that week one status is in jeopardy if the the not accident, but the injury caused him to physically vomit as soon as it happened on the sideline. Not good news out of Jets camp, who are just reeling because they can't get any breaks here at all. They've got another one coming up. We'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Giants defensive back Adoree Jackson. Now he was the big signee that they got signee signor that they got from Tennessee. Right, so this was a huge addition to the Giants' defense, which was the best unit of the two. Well, three of you want to include special teams for the Giants last year, and really made a lot of strides. I mean, if there's anything about the Giants from 2020 that was worthwhile talking about, it was their defense, which played well. Well, they added a Dory Jackson. He was going to go opposite Bradbury. He got injured today in practice. He was actually carted back to the locker room. Turned out to be a foot-ankle injury, and they don't think it was that bad. So they think he's going to come back. Let's hope so, because they just dumped $39 million over three years for him. So Adoree Jackson ends up getting carted off, but they don't think it's bad. Uh, Bengals, meanwhile, safety Trey Waynes, he pulled up lame in practice and was visibly pissed off on the sidelines. So it sounds like it's a hamstring injury, and he just signed a three-year, $42 million with Cincinnati after playing the first five years of his career with the Vikings. So he made his cash now, and then he pulled a hammy. So it depends on the extent of that hamstring. It's torn. It's going to be a while. If it's just a pull, who knows? But any player visibly pissed off on the sideline during training camp, 
you would imagine it was in the middle to bad range of injury. Again, it's not very scientific or uh, medical, that assessment. But uh, So he pulled up lame in practice. We'll have to see what happens with Trey Waynes. Uh, Broncos tight end Noah Fant. He has a leg injury. No other words on that one. Going back to New York, Jets defensive lineman Vinny Curry, 33 years old, just coming over from the Eagles, is out for the season. They had to remove his spleen. Who wants, who wants to get a spleen removed? I don't know if I would boo him, but I really didn't have like an oh, ooh soundbite. So I played the boo soundbite, but he had to have his, re- his spleen removed for a crazy blood clotting disorder that he had. And so the Jets will be sans Vinnie Curry for this season. So they lose Lawson. They lose Curry. They just lost Beckton. Uh, who else did they lose? Am I, am I forgetting everybody? Uh, I want to say... Oh, they just lost Gerard Davis, the linebacker. He is injured. He's going to be out for, I think, about six games, they said. I mean, the, the Jets are just losing people left and right. Not good over there in uh, whatever park, Florham Park, right? Is that That's where they're practicing, right? That's where their whole uh, development is over in Florham Park. Just injuries left and right. Don't eat the, don't eat the meats there either. Just stay away from the salami in Florham Park. It's blowing out people's uh, knees, ankles, wrists, and spleens. 49ers, they cut Michael Kendricks. Remember, Michael Kendricks, the linebacker, who likes to admit to insider trading uh, on social media. He ended up finally getting out of all of his legal ailments and landed with the 49ers. He was... Where'd he go? He went somewhere last year. We covered this a little while ago. But anyway, the 49ers signed him recently, and then they just cut him because he suffered a toe injury, and they said, you know what, between your decision to admit things on social media and your bad toes, uh, yeah, we don't need you here. So he's gone. The Packers, Devin Funches, the wide receiver. We talked about him recently, if you remember. Well, he's going to the IR for the season again third time in a row he's going to miss an entire season but you know what with the ability to tell if you were smiling under your COVID mask based on how chinky your eyes are I'm sure that guy's going to get another shot next season I mean those are the skills of a wide receiver that are hard to come by right you know the ability to see the chinky eyed reporter and assess you're smiling because I can see it in your eyes oh anyway the Ravens let's start talking about people coming back from injury, right? We've covered everybody going to the injured list or going down for a little while. The Ravens left tackle, Ronnie Staley. Remember last year, he busted up, I think it was the ankle, leg. He went down November. He's going to be a full go for week one. So he has returned to the, to that lineup. The Ravens also have had some other line additions this year. So they brought in Zettler. They brought in Villanuevo. Uh, so that line is going to be revamped. Now they're going to get Staley back. Could be good things for Mr. Jackson and J.K. Dobbins and fantasy owners in that regard. So it's good to get players such as Stanley back. Um, the Titans, they got Julio Jones back. He finally returned from practice. Remember, he left, I believe it was late last week, early last week. He came back to practice today. Go over to 
Hard uh, Hard Rock Stadium. Well, they don't play in Hard Rock Stadium. They play in Miami Gardens. But let's go down to Dolphins camp. Will Fuller, the wide receiver, he has returned to practice. And then if we head over to East Rutherford, the Giants got tight end Kyle Rudolph off the pup list. He's been on there the entire time they signed him. And then he hurt, I think he hurt his knee like week one. He went on the pup list and now he's off. Speaking of the pup list, the 49ers get safety Jaquiz Tart off the pup list. And I think I butchered his name. Anyway, uh, solid safety. Uh, he will be coming off the pup list. So he will start practicing. So that brings us off of the injuries, and let's go around the league to some of the other news bites that we were treated to today. Start off in Denver, where Vic Fangio decided he was going to finally announce his starting quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is the man of the hour. So it will be Teddy B taking the snaps under center. That means that Drew Locke will have to watch from the sideline until Teddy blows up. If Teddy blows up, you know, I mean, Teddy is a game manager if there was one. Uh, never spectacular, never terrible, not earth-shattering. I, who knows if the knee injury he suffered in Minnesota all those years back, uh, you, you know, hindered his development. You never really know. But as it is right now, he's an okay quarterback. I don't know if he's great. I definitely think that Drew Locke has a better arm. But if you watch the preseason games, Drew Locke Locke looked good early. Bridgewater looked good late, being the second game. And then when Locke went in there with all the backups, he didn't look that good. But I don't know if that was really his fault. A very uh, unmonumental announcement, but an announcement nonetheless. Teddy Bridgewater will be playing for the Broncos. And you imagine now that the Broncos are going to be really focused on playing solid defense because they have a solid unit back there and then just managing the offense. If you will, you know, the 80s Bears, you know, uh, run the ball. Uh, If you can get Melvin Gordon back, uh, Williams looks great. Javante Williams looks good. So if you can get Gordon back and then just play manageable offense with the occasional big play, can that offense combined with a stellar defense, if they get that, right? I mean, you're going to get Von Miller coming back here. Bradley Chubb is now one year back from his ACL injury. Um, I think it was ACL, right? ACL Achilles, he was out two years ago. Last year he came back. Uh, You know, Sertan in the draft. If you can get all those guys on the defensive side to perform and you get a manageable offense, as just mentioned, from Teddy Bridgewater and the rest of the offensive squad, is that enough to get you to the playoffs and then play some real ball? I don't know. That's what we're going to find out as we move along here in 2021. Go back to Florham Park, where the New York Jets, after the unfortunate loss of their passing game coordinator, Greg Knapp, if you remember that terrible story, he passed away in a bike accident. He was riding a bike, got hit by a car. It was prior to training camp or at the very start of it. Um, They have replaced that position to an extent where they've signed Matt Cavanaugh as a senior offensive assistant. This guy has been around the league for 30 years. 
He's worked a lot with quarterbacks, and he is going to be on assignment to develop Zach Wilson. So the Jets have come in, tried to help Robert Sala there by getting him some other veteran uh, sideline employees to help out, and Kavanaugh will be tasked with helping the development of Mr. Wilson. So let's talk about COVID for a hot second because there was a bunch of news coming out of the NFL related to it. Number one being the NFL has come forward, which this seems like, you know, you would have expected it uh, sooner than now. But, hey, uh, obviously maybe they were hoping that this wouldn't be the case. But the NFL has banned reporters from the locker room. So no reporters will be inside the locker room. As somebody who has covered the NFL and been in locker rooms, getting sound, doing interviews, let me tell you, you're not missing a goddamn thing. There's really nothing to be done in the locker rooms after the game anyway. Nothing that can't be done from a podium or a table with a microphone. Literally, when the game ends and reporters go into the locker room, they call them gangbangs. This is what they call them. They, they, people move around in a big, gigantic huddle around whoever might be talking. And they call them gangbangs because people just move around from one person to another. And stick microphones and recorders and everything in these guys' faces as they record whatever sound they can get. Which then gets chopped up and used in sports media, insert station, channel here. Uh, So, the answers that you get, with the exception of some people that go off the deep end, are usually well thought out and very lackluster. I mean, they are as bland as can be, and you could probably program... You want to talk about artificial intelligence, you could easily program some kind of artificial intelligence to give you every answer you need out of a post-game gangbang question. Uh, It's just not a good means of gleaming anything from players, with the exception of some people that lose it. I always think of when I was at University of Miami, uh, it was somebody in my class that had asked um, uh, what the tight end, uh, Kellen Winslow Jr., um, and the question that responded, I'm a fucking soldier, right? So you get some people like go overboard, but for the most part, once you get to the pros, you understand that you're just going to throw out an eight second soundbite that they can use. And you're not going to say anything really monumental, not to say it happens with everybody, but, uh, that's usually the process. And so the NFL saying that reporters are not going to be allowed in the locker room, Who cares? (laughs) Doing everybody a favor there. But obviously, you know, as soon as Delta came around, you would think that uh, there's going to be limited interaction with all these random people and the teams, especially since players are not in bubbles anymore, right? And you are seeing that the COVID-19 breakthrough cases, quote-unquote, are all over the place. So the last thing that you want, mask or no mask, is random reporters in the locker room with players. When you're trying to prevent your players from popping a test and having to sit out at a minimum two days with two negative tests or at maximum 10 days or longer, depending on symptoms and the rest. 
you know, that, that would be the last thing you bring in a reporter from ABC Affiliate X, and all of a sudden the guy's coughing, and, oh, you know what, I have COVID. And everybody in the locker room also has COVID now or has been exposed, and then your exposure will run you on the sidelines depending on your vaccination status. It's just not the route to go. So they kick them to the curb, which is to be expected, as I said. But not to be outdone by the NFL banning the reporters, Jerry Jones, obviously the Cowboys owner, has decided he wanted to jump in and offer his opinions and thoughts on COVID vaccines and this vaccine mess and everything that is going to be crazy with this season, probably more so than last year. So Jones steps up to the plate and states that vaccination is about team accountability and the common good. Team accountability and the common good. So he he does state that the common good comes into play when you affect many others. So he believes that you are allowed to choose what you put in your and out of your body. Nothing wrong with that, according to him. However, when you start affecting more players and more people, then that is when the greater good overrules your the ownership of your body. How that makes any sense to anybody is beyond me. You either are allowed to take care of your body the way that you see fit, or you aren't. And it has nothing to do about team accountability. Again, this is the brass tacks about COVID vaccinations and the NFL. The teams want it because if you're vaccinated, all you have to do is take two tests in two days and get negative results and you're back. There is no mandatory requirements for you sitting out. If you are not vaccinated... You are going to have to sit out 10 days, which could be two games. That, my friends, is what this whole fucking thing is about. Make no mistake about it. This is not about team accountability or any of that other crap. This is just about having players have the ability to return from a positive test as soon as fucking possible and not risking the 10-day absence. That's what it's about. And Jones stepping in here and wish you know being wishy-washy about you're allowed to put things in your body but when it affects too many people then it defaults to the common good. Whatever, man. Whatever. Like just keep your thoughts to yourself. Honestly, when it comes to COVID, everybody should just shut their mouth. I guess me included. But I, I've literally had enough of COVID from everywhere. Personally, because I have been out of work for a long time. And maybe I'm completely batshit crazy. But I can't think that COVID-19 and the political environment that followed doesn't have a little something to do with that because I'm qualified enough to do a lot of things and I have not got a bite. But then again, nobody's in their goddamn offices. 
So a lot of these big corporations, small corporations, small companies, people aren't even in the offices yet. They're trying to bring them back in the offices and they can't. So it, it makes it difficult for a lot of these companies to try to forecast bodies that they need, right? So everything is crazy because of COVID. And I'm tired of hearing about it, but I have to talk about it on the podcast because it is going to have a very, very strong impact on the year this year. And I I think I could be wrong. I think it's going to be more so than last year because last year, everybody was in their houses not moving because everybody's deathly afraid of getting COVID. This year, the vaccines came through and they were originally billed as medical treatments that could prevent you from getting COVID. A strong selling part of this was once you were vaccinated, you were good. They also did say that, well, you might have the chance to get it. We're not quite sure. So it was never a solid, get the vaccine and you're done. However, it was strongly billed as that. And I dare anybody to argue the contrary. Because... I remember it very well. And so everybody started getting the vaccines and then the mask mandates went away and the numbers crashed and everybody was like, we're set. And now we're not. And the explanation is the Delta variant. Maybe. Who the hell knows? I just think COVID is a disease that has come out of nowhere, whether it was man-made, came from a bat to, you know, some random animal that got eaten in a wet market. I don't fucking know. All I know is that it wasn't here before. It's here now. And it's going to do its own thing, regardless of what any of us try to do with masks, vaccines, and the rest of it. And the proof is in the goddamn pudding. Because the NFL, unlike basically the rest of American society right now, is routinely subjecting their population to testing. And a lot of their population has the vaccine. So what you're seeing out of the NFL is a real-life case study as to how truly effective the vaccine is in prevention of ca- the prevention of catching COVID and the symptoms faced by people who have taken the COVID vaccine. And what you're seeing is that the quote-unquote breakthrough case is not a breakthrough case at all. Getting COVID, getting the COVID shot, COVID vaccine, whatever you want to call it, is best thought of as a means to prevent you from getting seriously ill. And that's what it is. Anything more than that, it's complete conjecture. I think that's the right word. Um, But it's just a hypothesis it's what they think but the numbers aren't in and if you look at the nfl because the nfl numbers are in and guess what there's breakthrough cases left and right so the covid vaccine does not prevent you from getting covid and the nfl is proving that it's also proving that you're not getting very sick once you get the vaccine which i think could be attested to by a great many people but the nfl is definitely showing that a breakthrough case is not very breakthrough at all And speaking of Mr. Jones, 
who wants to say that vaccination is all about team accountability and the common good. Well, guess what? The Cowboys were up to six people on the COVID-19 list. All of them recently, right? Because today, they lost safety DeMonte Kazee and guard Connor Williams to COVID-19. Now, they've already lost their defense quarter, Dan Quinn. He was a breakthrough case. CeeDee Lamb, he was a breakthrough case. Carlos Watkins, he was a breakthrough case. Malik Hooker. And they just got back Israel Mukamua. If I pronounced that right. I probably didn't. But he just returned from the COVID-19 case. So they got six, I think five players now still on it. So here Jerry Jones is preaching team accountability and the common good. But meanwhile, he's got one, two, three, three cases that I, I've written down that are all breakthrough cases. So his players are getting the vaccine. And they're still popping positive from COVID. So I, 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 what's the team accountability? I don't, what's the common good? These guys are getting it anyway. They've gotten vaccinated and got it anyway. I just don't understand the mentality that is being preached by, you know, select individuals. Because I think if you look at numbers and you look at data and you look at quote-unquote science, you can tell that the COVID-19 prevents you from getting very strong side effects of COVID. So it prevents you from going to the hospital. Not everybody, though. So that's good. And by that, it should be everybody's choice whether or not they want to make that risk. But to to try to do this guilt trip and this town team accountability bullshit, I, I mean, enough is enough already. Enough is enough. It's a personal choice. Owners, coaches, they want to get the players back on the field. That's what they want. That's the only thing that this is about. This is not about anything else. And it's definitely not about the player's safety or the player's, uh, you know, best interest. It's not. I'm sorry. You can't tell me any other way. This is about coaches and owners wanting their players on the field to play. So other people that lost it, uh, that lost it. I'm losing it right now. Uh, Other people. Other teams that lost players recently to COVID. Uh, the Titans, who already down a coach because Mike Vrabel is out with COVID-19. Well, they are going to be down a linebacker as well. Harold Landry, he popped positive for COVID-19. The Bucks lost their kicker. Ryan Suckup, he is gone. COVID-19. Bills lost linebacker Matt Milano and A.J. Klein. They also lost wide receivers Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis, all for COVID-19. So, point being is that COVID-19 is running rampant all throughout the NFL right now, and there are a lot of breakthrough cases. So, uh, coaches and owners, such as Jerry Jones, have opinions, but their opinions don't really matter because whether you're vaccinated or not, people are getting COVID. 
So, outside of COVID now, there were a couple of other additions to teams. Robbie Anderson, not an addition, but an extension. Panthers are going to sign him for two years, $20 million. Good job, Robbie. You went from the Jets over to the Panthers, got signed. Jets probably should have kept you, but... So solid little player, you know, a big hitter, but uh, performs well and got paid as such with that extension. Um, head out to Chicago, Jason Peters, the super old left tackle. You remember him from uh, great years there in uh, Philly. He signed with Chicago. I guess the Bears are looking to play him, and the Bears are looking to play Peters. That, that's problematic because. I mean, that guy is super old and on his last legs, if there are any legs left. So for them to bring him in there kind of screams problems on that O-line in Chicago. Vikings re-signed defensive end Everson Griffin, and this is going to require him to do a little parlay with Kirk Cousins, who he called ass. Yes, he called ass. <laughs> I mean, Don, what would you say uh, about somebody who called another one of their players ass? Don't be rude. Yeah, well, yes, I would also agree not to be rude. Um, it's just, I mean, Chris, he called Kirk Cousins, who's now the quarterback on the team he plays for, ass. I actually can't believe what I just saw. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. I get you. Uh, so that's been talked about a bunch, but yes, he he wrote a tweet last year said Kirk Cousins is ass. And if you think about it, I mean, you, saying somebody Kirk Cousins isn't that great is a little different than saying Kirk Cousins is ass, right? I, I mean, I would imagine it's his play. Maybe it's his play, and he also smells. Maybe Kirk Cousins doesn't wash all that much. Maybe he's got that Hollywood thing where it's like you don't wash until you stink. So maybe he's like Kirk Cousins is ass is referring to his smell and his play. It probably definitely somehow related to his play because it was a big issue, and he said he was going to offer an apology. Okay, yeah, sorry, I, I mean to call you ass. I, you know, I, I meant it in the best possible way. Uh, Raiders they traded Panthers. They traded for Panthers linebacker Denzel Perriman. And now, the funny thing is, Perriman just signed with the Panthers this past year with a two-year deal. But it looked like he wasn't even going to get a starting job. He wasn't going to beat out Jermaine Carter. So he gets shipped out to the Raiders. Now, Perriman's best years, if you remember, came in San Diego when he was with the Chargers. And if you want to take a guess who the Raiders' defensive coordinator is... It's Gus Bradley, who was Perriman's D.C. past four years. So there was a swap of picks also involved. Carolina is going to give its seventh rounder for the Raiders' sixth rounder. Uh, other trade news, the Seahawks made a trade. They grabbed defensive back John Reed. Good little player there in uh, Houston. So they're going to bring Reed in from the Texans for a conditional seventh round pick. Some of that has to do with the injuries about. Trey Brown is down for Seattle. Uh, Ryan Neal also out. So uh, Pete Carroll steps up to the plate, makes a little trade, brings John Reed in for a conditional seventh. Nice little pickup there if you ask me. Um, and I think that does it for the trades that took place. There was a couple. Like I said, there's been nothing but action left and right. Um, and so... 
Oh, the last one. It's a signing. I forgot. This is the one that I wanted to throw in there because uh, the Falcons, who lost A.J. McCarron to a knee injury after last week's game, have stepped up and signed Josh Rosen. Yes, the much-traveled uh, quarterback who was supposed to be Kyler Murray before Kyler Murray went to Arizona, only to stink up the Cardinals because he got thrown into a shit situation, went to Miami, got thrown into a shit situation, and stunk up that joint. Uh, proceeds to go out to San Francisco and try to catch on there with Kyle Shanahan. Doesn't make it. He will now be going to Atlanta. And not only is he going to be going to Atlanta this week, he's going to be going to Atlanta and he's going to play. (laughs) So Josh Rosen is going to once again go to a shit situation. This fucking guy can't buy a break. Every place he goes, it's an absolute car wreck. Every place. The guy cannot win. So he is going to be going to Atlanta, and he is going to play this week, and not knowing the playbook or anything else, I am sure it is going to be a colossal shit show. Um, And then, finally, the last piece of news that I was going to touch upon was the Raiders situation. And if you remember this story, us talking about it, uh, I have talked about it once. Me and my brother talked about it several weeks ago. The Raiders have something a-brewing in the legal realm somehow. Something to do with financials, something to do with uh, the law, as they had a whole shit ton of people resign like within two weeks of each other. All took off. And the one that I mentioned to my brother at the time that I scratched my head was the controller. Because it didn't really make a whole lot of... Other people you could say, oh, you know, things weren't going well. I'm getting over... uh, You know, I'm getting overrode by Davis. You know, I don't really have a place. So this doesn't make sense for me to be here. For the controller to be there, I mean, the controller does the books. I mean, what the fuck is the controller doing? Nothing. So why is the controller all of a sudden leaving? It was a big head-scratching moment, and then obviously the stories came out that there is uh, some financial issues abound for the Raiders. Uh, Most notably from the reporting that I remember was that they may have received a loan that was ultimately forgiven by the uh, city of Oakland, which would in turn qualify as income and if you know Uncle Sam anytime you get some income you gotta pay some taxes so and I don't think that they did and that's where some of the issues as you know from the stories that I've read it seems like that's the the item at hand now the controller was an individual known by the name of Aroxy Grant I am assuming I have never seen the name a Roxy at all. So I don't know if it's a male or a female. But whoever Mr. or Mrs. Grant is, they resigned as the team controller. And Ben Fisher of Sports Business Journal said that, you know, I guess he must have interviewed her and or him. And, oh, that's it. That she did. So a Roxy Grant is a female. All right. Now we figured that one out. Uh, so a Roxy Grant, team controller... 
uh, spoke to Ben Fisher, Sports Business Journal, and said that she did not do anything improper. And these are his her quotes. I've been contacted by several news outlets with questions about why I resigned. As a CPA, I have a duty to maintain confidentiality, and for this reason, I am not able to disclose details or answer questions regarding my resignation from the Raiders. I can say that I have never been involved in any financial improper... Impropriety? Is that how you read that word, Rich? Holy shit. Or wrongdoing before or during my 20-month tenure with the Raiders. So she was only the controller for 20 months. Uh, The quote continues. I am someone who lives by high standards of ethics and integrity. As a CPA, I have never and would never participate in unethical accounting practices or compromise my professional responsibilities in any way. I am grateful for the chance to have worked with the Raiders and look forward to my next career challenge. Uh, Grant left along with team president uh, Mark Bardane, chief financial officer Ed Villanueva, and senior vice president Brandon Dahl. All took off. All took off. And the reports say that there are financial irregularities within the Raider organization. And... You know, I mean, look, Mrs. Grant, Miss Grant, was only with the Raiders for 20 months. That's less than two years. So whatever went on, is going on, happened with the Raiders, happened way before she was part of that team. And so if you look at some of these individuals who left who had long tenures and then some people who left who had super short tenures, you can imagine that whatever happened took place way back in the day. And I would imagine people like Mrs. Grant, Miss Grant, whatever, uh, you know, the correct uh terminology would be for her. I don't know if she's married. Anyway, I'm stammering here. Um, but whatever Aroxy uh, did had nothing to do with what's going on here. I think she probably just bowed out because she saw the writing on the wall and didn't want to be affiliated with this. Now, this continues to be one of the bigger stories that I have been trying to follow Uh, And I continue to look for news related to because depending on the fallout from this and from previous stories over the past year of the Raiders possibly battling financial troubles, this could be the next team to get sold. Maybe I'm overstepping myself there. I don't know. Again, I'm not an NFL reporter. I I occasionally got some sound in a Dolphins locker room, but I don't know if I would ever qualify myself as an NFL reporter. However, um, definitely you would think that there could be possible sales if there are big-time taxes coming down the line. Sure, NFL teams make a ton of money. But you don't know what kind of leverage any of these owners have at any given time. So if Davis is overextended and 
isn't coming in and then has to battle financial issues related to back taxes or whatever it might be from Uncle Sam, uh, it might just be time for Mark Davis, Davis family, just to beat feet. Uh, but who knows? Anyway, I, I'm, I don't know, and I don't have the reporting information to make such a call. It's just what I've been thinking about the more and more I hear about this story because you try to piece things together logically. And to me, money problems before and then significant money issues dealing with taxes now and multiple uh, multiple resignations definitely it smells like fire. It smells like smoke. And smells like a lot of smoke. And smoke equals fire. And right here, it could equal a little sayonara. Uh, but we will wait and follow the story and see where it leads and see if that's accurate or if I am just completely full of duty. Um, and I was actually going to end it with a little tidbit about the. Giants and the Patriots. However, um, pushing an hour, I think I'm going to punch out instead. But I will uh, leave with the final, uh, I guess, piece of news for the afternoon. Uh, and that is that the Giants and the Patriots had a joint practice. And allegedly, Mac Jones, who has taken over for Cam Newton who's sidelined with COVID-19, lit up the Giants' defense. Lit them up. And I mean, I think at one point, he had 18 straight completions, ultimately ended 21 of 23 versus the Giants' starters, and got rave reviews all over the place. Enough that it basically sent shockwaves through the NFL. People questioning whether or not Cam Newton is going to be the starter anymore or if it's going to be Mac Jones week one. Uh, We will see. But clearly outshined Daniel Jones going into his third year. The rookie out of Alabama comes through and just lights up the defense. Daniel Jones looking like a fool. And I will save that bit for another podcast to go into the Giants v. Patriots and those two franchises as comparison of what they've been doing is pretty interesting. But for time's sake, I will punt on that and leave it for another day. Just note that Mac Jones looking good. Daniel Jones not looking good. Jones v. Jones. Anyway, that's it for this podcast. I will talk to you guys later. Sayonara. Arifatasi.